Hey, everybody. Doc here. If you're enjoying the podcast and you want it to be possible for me to continue to make it, then I'm going to need you to go to my store at antiheroesjourney.com and buy my audiobook and my ebook in one of the many translations available, or go to shop and pick out some of my stuff t shirts and hats and pet bandanas and bikinis and scented candles and all sorts of nonsense, all the things you could ever want and never need, and get 10% off with the code all caps FRIEND10. Go to antiheroesjourney.com and use the code all caps FRIEND10 to get 10% off anything that you could ever want there. I appreciate your support. Thank you. I love you. Goodbye. I am Ben Doc Askins, the psychedelic science war storyteller, and this is the Anti Hero's Journey podcast. What's up, all you anti-heroes out there? Doc Askins here, bringing you another one of these Q5 podcasts that I know you can't get enough of, where I ask five of my favorite questions to some of the coolest people that I can stalk on LinkedIn and trick into coming in here and letting me interview them. I got a treat for you today. I've got J.R. Butler. He is a former Division I hockey player. He was the chief revenue officer of a pair of very important companies, Turbonomic and Pillar, and he's also the founder and chief executive officer of Shift. He's also got degrees in sociology, art history, and American Sign Language from the College of the Holy Cross, but I'm going to let him tell his story his way here in just a second. JR, it's a pleasure having you on the podcast. Thanks for taking some time to talk to me. Thanks for having me, Doc. I'm excited to get into things, man. Yeah, well, let's jump right into it then with question number one. What's your story, my friend? I can't really tell my story without talking about hockey. I'm the oldest son of a Hall of Fame high school and junior hockey coach from Massachusetts, Worcester, Massachusetts area. If you look up rink rats in the dictionary, there's a picture of me and my two brothers. We really grew up in a high school hockey locker room, which is kind of a scary thing if you've ever been inside a high school hockey locker room. Explains a lot about who I am. You've got big locker room guy on your uh, LinkedIn profile there. And that was honestly what made me want to double click and have a conversation with you was your big locker room guy. So let's, you know, but I'll let you tell your story. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Everybody has a role, right? And uh, that was definitely my role growing up was bringing some levity to the locker room. Chief culture officer, as some of my friends like to call me. Nice. A little chirping. Exactly. Exactly. But I spent the first 25 years of my life, Doc, was 100% focused and disciplined about hockey, right? I I ate, slept, and breathed ice hockey. I, I had one goal. I wanted to play Division One hockey, and, you know, everything that I did was really about that, right? I was a decent student, but, you know, I went to class so that I, my dad would let me go to practice that night. And fortunately, I got the opportunity to go play at actually the school in the area where I grew up, which is College of the Holy Cross, was part of a team. In my sophomore year, we upset University of Minnesota, which to this day is still considered the biggest upset in college hockey history. And then one day I woke up and I wasn't a hockey player anymore. And nobody really prepares you for that transition, you know, losing your identity. It's I, the analogy I always use is like, it's like losing a loved one, right? Like it's this thing that's so such a big part of your life for so long. And then one day it's gone and you don't know who you are. You don't know why you're waking up 
in the morning when that was the reason you woke up. So I, I struggled with my transition in a way that I think might be somewhat unique to me, but I think a lot of athletes go through it. I think a lot of veterans go through it. Now, fortunately, what ended up happening was I kind of, you know, and you mentioned my, my majors and my minors in college and, you know, for the folks that are our age or older, right? I entered the job market in 2008 when the United States was like losing a bank a week. So sociology, sign language, and art history weren't exactly marketable <laughs> skills. So yeah, I, yeah. I kind of tripped and fell into sales. And immediately I was like, this is awesome. Like I'm on a team. I get to compete every day. There's a scoreboard. I know exactly where I stand. And it's a profession it's a merit-based profession, meaning like the harder I work, the better I get, the better results I drive, the more I get rewarded. I fell in love with it like pretty quickly. And I had a great run, like you mentioned, 16 years in sales and sales leadership. We worked at some great companies, one company which got acquired for $2 billion. And it was an amazing experience being there in the earlier days and kind of seeing the success and the growth. And the experience I had transitioning and the experience I had trying to hire salespeople is what really inspired our company now, which is Shift Group. And it's simple. We work with athletes and veterans. So if you played college sports or above and or, or you served in the military for any amount of time, you get access to our training, which is completely free for athletes and veterans. We teach you the foundational things that you need to know to be a sales professional and then we try to put you in front of companies that understand the value that you bring because of your athletic and military experience. And that's how we make money is companies pay for access to this type of talent that's well-trained by us. That's kind of very quickly how I got to where, where I am today, which is running you know, this company. Yeah, that's a very smart business model there, in my opinion, for what that's worth, where you got some, you're pulling in some hard chargers and helping them apply, you know, their natural level of motivation in the direction of bringing in a living for themselves, but giving them a particular set of skills to do that with, right? And then, uh, you know, making a little bit on the back end. So it's like compassionate capitalism. I'm all in favor of that for sure. (laughs) That's that's a good way to put it. I yeah, like I like that. that a lot. That's awesome. We'll put some info about the company and the program there in the show notes so that any athletes or veterans out there that want to take advantage of that, just double click on that and uh, JR will hook you up. Well, that's a, that's a pretty cool story, man. You got more of your story that you want to tell? Yeah. I mean, I guess in the context of some of the stuff that you talk about, right? Like a part of my transition battle, right? I talked about it. It was really hard for me. I specifically really struggled with like depression and anxiety. And, you know, I found myself on the wrong side of, you know, addiction, right? Like I was managing a pretty bad habit of hard drugs and alcohol. And, you know, I've been sober. I just celebrated 11 years a month ago. So I've been sober for I always tell people I'm really not going to celebrate until 13 years because I really drank heavily and partied heavily for 13 Mm, years. So mm -hmm. once I hit that 13 year mark, that's when I'm going to start celebrating. But that's a huge part of my story and some of the ways I've managed around addiction and getting through recovery, I think are very relevant to some of the stuff you talk about in your book and and on your podcast. That's what kind of caught my attention with what you're doing. And and that's a like, I own it, right? It's a big part of who I am. It's something that I'm really proud of and I'm not afraid to talk about it. And I, and I believe that like guys like me that can talk about recovery loudly, 
allow people that are suffering silently to speak up. And I think it's really important that we talk about it. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Anything we can do to reduce the stigma to just like reach out, you know, if you've got a mind, you're going to need mental health help at some point, And there's nothing wrong with that is how I kind of think about it. You know, why wouldn't you need help once in a while? So just raise your hand and say, Hey, I need to take a knee for a minute. I'm not destroyed by this, but I need, I need a hand and there's nothing wrong with that. Your story makes me think of a documentary that HBO did a couple of years ago called The Weight of Gold. Have you seen that one? No. What's it about? It's about mental health in Olympic athletes. They tell stories of several folks. And there's this sort of predictable pattern where you put everything into something for a period of time. And in this case, it's headed towards the games and you get done with the games and maybe maybe you, you know, win the gold, maybe you don't, whatever. It doesn't seem to matter whether you win or whether you lose. Once it's over, you feel like you don't have anything to live for. And there's this sort of collapse across the finish line that they describe in several different athletes, you know, bobsledders and hurdlers and swimmers all kind of say, hey, when the Olympics were over, I just crashed. And uh, it's so predictable that we really ought to be ready to just have a safety net for every one of those people. Whenever your career ends, we should just be waiting to like catch people the way that we do whenever they finish the marathon in the Olympics. Physically, I think psychologically, we should be ready to take care of athletes the same sort of way. I agree 100% wholeheartedly. And, and I do think we are filling, you know, both sides of our market right now, both athletes and veterans. And it's sad. So hopefully we can fix it. Well, I'm glad to hear that you're doing some work in that space for sure. We can all pitch in our percentages and try to make something, make the world a little bit better place. Good people doing good things is what I'm always kind of trying to keep an eye out for, which is why I invited you in the first place, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what an awesome story. I appreciate you sharing all of that. I ask people about their stories to ask about memory and about the past and about where you're coming from. And then the second question is about what are your intentions? Where are you headed? What do you want to do? You know, memory transitions into imagination here in the present moment. What are your intentions for the future, JR? I want to be the guy that the younger version of me needed to meet when I was the younger version of me. And I want to build a company for that version of me. And I want to compassionate capitalism is a good way to put it. I want to build a really big, valuable business because one, the financial outcomes that can drive for me and, and my family, but also because the bigger company that we build, it means the more people that we can help. That's at the core of our mission is really that is helping as many of these athletes and veterans as we can get back to where they were when they were playing and serving, which like the term I always use is like, I think back to like when I was at my best, I was dialed in. Yeah, yeah. I had a purpose. I was present. I had intention every single day. I had a passion every day to get excellent at what I was doing. And I wasn't afraid to practice those things so that I could be excellent. And that's when I was my happiest. You talk about mental health. That's when my well-being was at its highest. And at my lowest, I didn't have those things. I didn't have purpose. I there was no reason for me to wake up in the morning. I had no passion about really anything except getting my next fix or whatever. And that's what these types of people, I believe in my bones, are looking for. They, they want to be dialed in every single day. And we try to give them a place where they can figure that out and, and get back to dialed in. And we want to help as many people get dialed in in their profession as we can, specifically the sales profession. And then also... As somebody who spent like more than a decade as a sales leader, their jobs are sales leadership is hard, man. Like you're 
you know, sales in itself is a hard profession, but like actually building teams and creating winning cultures and making sure that everybody's rowing in the same direction and you got to execute against the number, develop your organization, hire more people. Like those are people that we also want to help because I struggled with that role for a long time. And it is, I always tell people, my grandfather was a, he served in the army, but when he got out of service, he, he was a food and beverage salesperson. He got his first sales job the same way I did the same way that anybody that today is getting their new sales job is getting it. They're sending a, they're networking, sending their resume and doing three or four phone interviews. And that company's making a decision and hiring somebody. I don't think that in terms of how much the world has changed since 1940s to 2023, how is that process still the same, right? Like, so I have, you know, very, very deep beliefs that we need to fix the way that they hire salespeople. Not really probably everybody, but specifically I know sales and that's the one I want to fix yeah. initially. Strategic navigators reduced my income tax bill by over 50%. These guys save entrepreneurs anywhere from 40 to 60% on their income taxes. Click the link in the description to schedule a call and see what these guys can do for you. If you enjoy paying as much as possible in taxes, then just ignore everything I just said. So those are my two intentions. No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to bring the sales hiring and networking process into the 21st century from, you know, the industrial revolution version that we've been dealing with or whatever, right? Like, okay. Yeah, totally reasonable. Yeah. I'm going to ask you more about that when we get to the fourth question. But before that, the way that I like to bridge the past to the future for people is asking about gratefulness. Cause I think that's the thing that pulls us most meaningfully into the present moment and acts as a bridge between where you've been and where you're going. So what are you grateful for? Number one, I'm grateful for my sobriety. I wouldn't have anything that I have now without it. Yeah. And, and congratulations on that. Like that's a really big deal and we shouldn't just gloss over that. Like sobriety is huge. To not have a neurotoxin coursing through your body on a regular basis is more key than you could ever imagine to the success that you've had. Yeah. And, and my comment on that is like, it's my version of sobriety. Like I come from a Irish Catholic family and a lot of big <laughs> believers in AA and all these things. And, and a lot of those relatives would say I'm not sober for reasons that I think you probably understand, mm -hmm. but they're wrong. Like I'm sober for me and that's what matters. I wouldn't be able to be sober their way. The other way has helped me be my sober. Sure. The other thing I'm grateful for, dude, is, is finding a new purpose, right? Like finding something else that I could be dialed into the way I was to hockey. I don't know what I would be doing if I hadn't found sales and a profession that, you know, I appreciate and understand and believe that can really be create phenomenal outcomes for myself, my family and other people. So I'm, I'm grateful for my sobriety, but I'm really grateful that I have a new purpose and a, and a new new something to get dialed into. Right on. Yeah. Sobriety and a purpose. You were telling me a little something about something big happening for you here in the near future, too, that I don't want to miss the opportunity for you to announce that you're grateful for in public if you wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to cut out this part and then just pick it up, right? I'm really grateful to get married this weekend. Uh, yeah. I'm grateful for my, my future wife. Well, I, I do have a son with a four month old. I'm also yes. very grateful oh, yeah, for my yeah. son. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good stuff. Yeah. So yeah, fam 
Family is definitely, I mean, that maybe I take it for granted because I that's just like par for the yeah, course, man. It's just the air you breathe. I get it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have my sobriety or a purpose if I didn't have my family there to support yeah, me that's throughout beautiful. this whole entire kind of journey. Yeah, like DMX says, I put Good in call. work and I do it all for the kids, right? <laughs> exactly. Nice, nice. Exactly. Yeah, those are excellent things to be grateful for. That's beautiful, man. Thank you. So coming around to the fourth question, I like to ask people about with all of your story and your intentions and the power of gratefulness that you're carrying, what are you creating? We're building, we've built, you know, we're in version one, but we're, we've built a, a platform that is going to change the way that athletes and veterans transition out of sport and service. And we're going to change the way that companies hire salespeople on the veteran and athlete side. I think it's three core tenants that we're focused on self-discovery, career discovery, and career upskilling. And I guess the fourth being connection to companies that get who you are and, and your value. So those are the four areas that our platform is focused on optimizing, streamlining, and, and just making better every single day is, is a better place to learn about yourself, a better place to learn about what's out there for you to, to build a career, a better place to get good at the skills that will make you successful in that career, and a better place to go find companies that want to pay you money to do it. And then on the other side, the way that we introduce candidates to companies is really unique. It's driven by video, driven by artificial intelligence, showing, bubbling up candidates to companies that match exactly what they know is going to be successful and being able to assess those individuals in a way that isn't staring at a piece of paper. It's actually getting to really know the candidate through videos and through live game tape of them doing the job that you want to hire them for before you even interview them. So that's the platform that we're going to build, I believe, can really have a huge impact on both sides of the the market that I want to impact the biggest. So I'm really excited about the future, if you can't tell. Yeah, that's awesome stuff. Like AI guided interviewing of candidates. I I don't want to like dig into like IP or like proprietary stuff or whatever, but I want to understand more like how how you're using the robots to help you figure out who fits where, you know? In any job, right? Like a huge part of people's success is their personality and their behavioral traits, right? It's like we're made up of People think you're typically made up of like almost like earth, wind, fire, and water, right? Like these like four, these four things make up yeah, people. Yeah. They want to bucket you like he's an introvert, she's an extrovert, you know, whatever. Yeah. And the reality is, is like it's much more complicated than that. Yeah. There's so many different aspects of our personality and our behavioral traits that make us who we are. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, we have a partnership with an organization that assesses that periodic table, right? Not just the wind, the fire, the water, and the earth, but like getting into the, the deep little, it tests about 125 different personality and behavioral traits. Nice. And essentially what we do is we go to an organization and we say, all right, who are your top performers? They give us two or three of those people. We have them take the exact same assessment our people do. And, you know, based off that match, you're going to find somebody who has a much deeper connection with the people who have already proven that they've come into your organization and delivered what you're looking for, which in the case of sales is productivity and revenue. So 
we're using AI to pull that out of the assessment and then put it in front of our, our companies. Yeah, that's cool. So that's kind of where, where that comes yeah. from. It's really cool. Do you know what they called the, in ancient Greece, the point where the four elements sort of combined and touched each other, where there was this fifth element that was none of them, but all of them at the same time? No, I want to know though. What is that called? Well, so the fifth element is a really bad Bruce Willis Mila Jovovich movie from like when we were kids, right? I don't think that movie's I bad. Loved I it. don't think that movie's bad. I loved it. I love I love how awful it is. It's fantastic. I'm gonna go rewatch it yes. shortly, I think. But they called it the ether. The ether was the fifth element in ancient Greece that was where all of the elements combined and touched. It was this sort of ethereal thing that was hard to describe. And it sounds like what you're trying to put together there is you know you can have that one for free just call it the ether program or something like that right <laughs> i'll give you credit i'll give you credit twice and then it's mine that's not my ether rule, for man. like starting a diesel truck either or like the ether bunny or any of that sort of stuff or whatever like you know like, <laughs> <laughs> it was a philosophical thing like <laughs> nice yeah i oh, love what I you're doing that. there man that's awesome stuff that's really cool that's cutting edge. Everybody get on board with uh, shift here and figure out how to hire the right people for the right jobs so that they can flourish in those roles, right? Like that's what you want is each one of these people to have the opportunity to be fully themselves at work and be successful as a result of being fully themselves. That's what I hear you describing. And I think it's a beautiful thing. That's our, we have three core values at our company, accountability, coachability, and authenticity, man. You hit the nail on the head. I didn't even have to tell you that. That's exactly right. Yeah, it was pretty obvious from your description there, man. It's a beautiful thing that you're doing there. Everybody get on board. Go check them out. See if they'll hire you. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool, man. You're creating some beautiful things in the world. Some, you know, beautiful and powerful things, I think. So... That's the four questions, and it brings us to the fifth and final one. It's everybody's favorite so far. Who are you really, J.R. Butler? Wow, that is deep, <laughs> deep question. I, <laughs> I think I would say I'm a builder, and I mean that in a few different ways, right? I'm a builder in that I constantly am trying to improve myself. I'm constantly trying to improve the people around me, the people in our program, the, pe- the companies we work with. I'm a builder in the sense of like what I like to do for work. I like to build things. And, you know, now I get to build my own company. I'm a builder in, you know, my family life in terms of like continuing to build a great relationship with my future wife in the next two days, my son and the future children that we have and all the other relationships in my life, my friends, my family, cousins, uncles, aunts, all that stuff. So if somebody were to ask me who I am really, what you did, I the word I would use is I'm a builder. I like that. Yeah, you're building good things, and I'm glad for sure. Well, uh, you got any final thoughts that you want to share with our audience? I would just say, like, no matter where you are in life, what your situation is, like, try to find something that gets you dialed in. That's It doesn't have to be sales, obviously. It could be you know, writing, it could be teaching, it could be being a scientist, it could be being a coach, like the ultimate reward as a human being is, is waking up every morning with a purpose, you know, being passionate about what you do. And I'm a big believer that you don't follow your passion, you work for it, right? So you don't start with passion, you start with your bigger purpose, and then find something that feeds that purpose that you can get passionate about and practice it. And if you live that way, dialed in 
you're going to find yourself being a really happy human being. At least that's what's worked for me. That's what I would leave everybody with. Yeah, I like that a lot. Find the thing that makes you come fully alive and then go be fully alive. That's beautiful. Thank you for coming on the podcast today, my friend. Thank you for having me, Doc. This is awesome. Yeah, my pleasure. Doc out.